Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. These are heady days for the NHL's New York Islanders and their fans. Not only is the team back in the Stanley Cup semifinals for the second straight year, they are counting down the final days of playing their home games at Nassau Coliseum, an arena that over the years has become affectionately known as the Barn. But just 15 miles to the west out on Hempstead Turnpike, on the Queens-Nassau County line, there is frenetic work being done on the UBS Arena, the new home for the New York Islanders built on the edge of historic Belmont Park. It seems what's old is new again. It was built as a huge testament back to the history and the tradition of New York, of live entertainment, of the Belmont racetrack, and of the great architectural design that we see in New York. And that's just the entranceway. This week on 880 In-Depth, an audio tour of the brand new Belmont Park Arena, UBS Arena, and why it just may help New York's economic recovery. Well, economically, we're putting a lot of people to work and a lot of jobs in the middle of uh, the coronavirus to have a project that's going to be roughly $2 billion when it's all said and done, privatized, and it didn't blink. We never questioned it. We didn't put it on the back burner. We plowed straight ahead. Welcome to 880 In-Depth on WCBS News Radio 880. If you're a sports fan in New York, you'll be forgiven if you're not aware of the Islanders' current playoff run. They're a team pretty famous for being under the radar. McAvoy turned it over, Komarov up ahead. It's Pajot, the empty net, and he hits the mark. Under the radar can also describe the construction of the UBS arena that's taken place the past year, most of it during the pandemic shutdown. But all of that is now changing as a beautifully designed structure with state-of-the-art amenities has risen from the lots that adjoin historic Belmont Park on the western edge of Nassau County. We sent a team of reporters to the construction site, folks who just love to see projects like this one including Tom Kaminsky, our helicopter traffic reporter, who has chronicled this construction with his photographs from Chopper 880. We also sent reporter Peter Haskell, who got the VIP tour with the CEO of the Oakview Group, 
the global sports and entertainment company that's building the arena. Meet Tim Laiwicki, who leads us on our audio tour. We're putting all of our time and energy on trying to finish the building off. It's a unique design of the building, so what you'll see, and it's challenging to get it all done, is the arches and the glass and the design of the old Belmont racetrack we have incorporated into everything in this building. So every piece of this building is custom design. Everything is built and designed to blend into the Belmont Park racetrack. And we have 92 different pieces of tile from around the world that we've imported in. The brick is original, the tile's original, all of the glass is original, and then on top you see the towers that will be the lighthouses, and they're on all four corners of the building. So all of this will get done and ready to go by somewhere around Thanksgiving. It sounds like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, either that or complete uh, lunacy. I can't decide which one. But amazingly, despite the COVID virus, despite the shutdown, despite the supply chain issues, we are right where we want to be and we're going to be ready to go somewhere around Thanksgiving. What about the timing for the hotel and the retail? I think that'll fall behind. Obviously, in addition to the roughly $1 billion we're spending on the arena, and all private, so that's important. No taxpayers, subsidies we didn't ask, and we're paying property taxes, and we're paying all of our taxes. We're spending about $140 million on the district. So the first thing that has to happen to connect retail and the parking garage is all of this common area you see. And that includes the first new Long Island Railroad station built in this city in 50 years, and we paid for that as well. So we're very proud of the fact we have a new Long Island Railroad station that will serve Belmont Park and UBS Arena. We have a new $140 million on the parking lots, on the trees, on the landscaping, on the security, and on the lighting that will be part of the campus. And then that essentially will connect the retail and the parking garage and put us in a position where a year after the arena opens, the retail could open. So this is unique. We, we wanted the facade of the building to be a mirror image of the Belmont Park racetrack. Now, that's tricky because the Belmont Park racetrack's old. And so if you see the arches, that's a mirror image of the diagonal uh, design of these arches here and the glass here. The tile and the brick, that's real brick. So we had to custom design the brick and put it on pallets and then bring it in and put the pallets on the arena. So it was extremely complicated. So now the trick for us is, and everyone knows this based on the rain last night, get the building enclosed. Because every time it rains, it gets wet. We can't start finishes in the building until we get fully enclosed. So those last few archways, that's the highest priority. And then finally, we're putting in the giant lighthouse towers on all four corners of the building. Everybody will know what this building is around the world because of the light towers and the fact it's home to the New York Islanders, or as our friends in Boston like to call us, the New York Saints. What about the existing Long Island Railroad Station? So this will connect into the existing lines and eventually within a year, both sides of the platform will be connected so we'll have full access to the entire Long Island Railroad system. And so it's, it's a substantial commitment that it allows people about a nine minute walk from the Long Island Railroad station at Belmont Park to the arena. And we've actually worked with Belmont Park and the racetrack to build a walkway that will be covered. So if it's raining, we got everyone covered that we'll be able to do things like solar panels on top. So the other very 
interesting and hard part of this building is we will be carbon neutral within a few years of opening up. It'll be the first carbon neutral building on the East Coast, only the second carbon neutral arena ever in the world. And so everything we do here, we got to think about energy, we got to think about sustainability, and we got to think about things like how do we eliminate single-use plastic on the night of an event in order to be carbon neutral. Now that adds to how we had to build this thing, and it complicates everything, but it also means that when you build a walkway from the Long Island Railroad Station, you make sure it's solar panels on top driving all of our power needs. Okay, we're going to go in. And to get inside, most if not all fans will walk through what can best be described as a grand entrance into an atrium that blends New York's past and present. This is the grand atrium. And what's unique about this is not only is this where 80% of our customers will come in and out of UBS Arena, but it was built as a huge testament back to the history and the tradition of New York, of live entertainment, of the Belmont racetrack, and of the great architectural design that we see in New York. So this will be a very historic atrium, and what will happen is you walk in here and you'll see great illustrations and great artist renderings of everything we've seen in the last uh, years at Belmont Racetrack. So aviation, the horse races, the sports events, the music events, the cultural events, but it's also designed like the old Grand Central Station. So when you walk in here, you'll feel like you're back in 1920 at the Grand Central Station. The finishes, the look, the design, the, the collages and the artwork will all be spectacular. And then everyone will go up the Grand Atrium steps, the escalators, or the escalators on the side here, and go into the main concourse. But this will be a real tribute to the place that New York holds as it relates to design, entertainment, and the history of live entertainment in this marketplace. So one of the other unique aspects of this building is we have, as you see, three different balconies and restaurants that are outside and could be year-round. This is one of them. And what's unique about this one is you see the racetrack. So eventually this whole production facility for Belmont Park and the racetrack with all their TV trucks, we will relocate and rebuild for them. So you're going to be able to sit here and watch the race on the day of the Belmont Stakes. Our connection, not just with the facade and the design of the building, literally we're right next door. And so the racetrack has been good enough to allow us to be neighbors. And we share not just all of the features, but this is a great place to hang out on the day of the Belmont Stakes. So there will be a lot of interactive connections between the UBS Arena and the Belmont Park racetrack. The most important part, though, is our 5,500 parking spaces are all wrapped around the track and the new Long Island Railroad station that we're building that is literally about a 10-minute walk from the station to the new UBS arena is now under construction, and you can see them in the dirt just on the other side of the infield. I imagine there's going to be a day where we could connect the infield and be able to work with Belmont on how to do activation on music and festivals inside the racetrack when they're not racing. We'll have a 5,000-person plaza here to do outdoor events and concerts. And then the walkway that we're building from the parking to the Long Island Railroad Station 
to the UBS arena will be covered, including solar panels, in order to help us become efficient on our commitment to be the first arena in New York to be carbon neutral. Give us a sense of how have arenas changed through the generations? What's different here? Uh, Much more complicated, right? So technology, DOS and Wi-Fi systems, 5G didn't exist. I mean, if you think about it, when I started building arenas, there were no Apple iPhones, there was no Uber, and there wasn't any Airbnbs. So if you, you know, there wasn't an Amazon. And so you, you think about how the world has changed how people ultimately are on command, on demand. You think about what's important to people and their experience when they go to a live event, and all of that's different. And yet, some things remain the same, which is I'm a big believer that even with the advances we've made in technology, people come to sporting events because of the athletes and the connection to the athlete. After all, if you think about it, teams, sports teams in our community are the guys and the girls that are wearing that name of our community and go represent us every day. It's a unique passion we've had for over 100 years between us and the teams that represent us. So I think you, you always want to remember people are coming to go see that. Don't kid yourself. You can't out-complicate out it. But technology, um, the ability ultimately to communicate to our people through technology, the ability to have better food and beverage, to have a better um, relationship with the customers. We could use technology to enhance the experience, but they're coming for the artists, they're coming for the music, they're coming for the sporting event. So how do we make that better? So in some ways, it's dramatically changed. Who would have ever thought you could grab something on a shelf and then just walk out and not have to go to a cash register? Who would have thought that we'd be cashless this day and age that we live in? Who would have thought at the end of the day I got an app on my phone that tells me where to park and how to get there and how to get out of there? So it is a new world order. But we always have to remember our job is to enhance the experience and make the experience spectacular. And the experience is about the music that artist plays and the connection between that artist and their fans. How do you figure out the equation, seats, club seats, suites? How does that work and how has that changed? So, you know, when you privatize an arena and you spend a billion dollars, you need to sell naming rights and you, you hope you could find someone as good as UBS as a partner and they're phenomenal. And you need sponsors and you need sweet holders and you need premium seat holders. So you got to go think about what it is they're asking for. That's changed dramatically. So in the old days, we'd build levels and levels and levels of corporate boxes. But the artist doesn't like that because it takes away from the intimacy of the bowl. I don't think the fans love it because it's very unpersonal and they're trapped in a little box. So we started thinking through clubs and what we learned is with Vegas, they taught us that these private high-end beautiful clubs are where people want to be before an event or after an event. Uh, Thinking about uh, mixologists, thinking about the kind of food that we serve, thinking about the ability to capture that socially on TikTok. So you suddenly begin to realize clubs are 10 times more important than suites. And that's where Generation XYZ want to be, is those great kind of greatest experience in my life as I went to this club at the UBS Arena, and we had a blast. So we built seven clubs here, and we reduced our suites. So we, we, don't, we only have 58 suites in this total building. That's, you know, the garden has, I think, 200. So we, we thought a lot about how to decorporize it to some extent, and make it much more about these social spaces and then build the best social spaces ever built. The question is, though, the suites aside, these clubs cost money to buy tickets. 
if I don't have big bucks, yep. can I afford to come here and buy a seat? Yeah, so interestingly, if you're an Islanders fan, they got a whole area upstairs that's the Islanders bar with all the memorabilia and the banners and the trophies. And by the way, it's a standing area. So they actually are going to kind of a European standing section, but they have seats there too. And those seats are, you know, really inexpensive tickets that people could buy. So we're not just for the elites. Do we need people ultimately to buy our premium seats in order to spend a billion dollars and not ask the taxpayers for the money? Yes. If You got to remember, if you look around and you, you compare how we built this arena to how other arenas and stadiums are built, usually those are public subsidies or public bonds. We didn't do any of that. We privatized everything. Thank God for sweet holders. Thank God for premier seat holders. And thank God for sponsors and naming right partners. But you got to be affordable for everybody else, and we do think about that quite a bit. So the building isn't just built for the elite. It's for everybody. The Coliseum is known for that intimate home ice advantage. How do you try to replicate that here? Shrink the bowl. So on one hand, that building's like 325,000 square feet. This building's 850,000 square feet, but it's all out, and it's all down. It's not the bowl. So the bowl's as tight here as it is at the Coliseum so that we protect the environment and the culture. That's really important to the Islanders to have that same kind of feel, so that's what we're going to do. The other side of it, though, is if you want to build those seven clubs, you need a lot more square footage, so we pushed everything out. So great to have 24,000 square feet for the Islanders' locker room, but push it out. That means you had to have a bigger piece of land and a bigger footprint because your base, the, the, the bottom level of the building that you're building, is a huge footprint. In order to go accomplish all of that, we were able to do that here at Belmont Park. Creature comforts is probably things people don't think about until they get there and they're waiting for the bathroom. Yeah. What are you doing here with bathrooms? Uh, Building more of them. So I always tell people it's just math. And so you think about why do people wait in line for bathrooms? Oh, because there's not enough bathrooms. Well, here's a big idea. Let's build more bathrooms. So we built more restrooms. We have a higher ratio of female restrooms to male restrooms. Just fact is, females take a little bit longer. They need more time. Great. Then we got to think about how we ultimately give them more capacity because you don't turn it as quick. Uh, We thought more about technology that helps us with things like um, grab and go. And so thinking about how to allow people to walk into a store, take whatever they want, walk out without having to go through a point of purchase system. Much more convenient, much healthier, by the way, because you don't have the people interaction. So we're thinking about that. We're thinking about airflow. We're thinking about how healthy our air is here. I think people will come into this building and have a much better experience because we have put those thoughts, number of restrooms, number of concession stands, technology that allows you to grab and go. We've thought about all of that in this building. What's the price tag and when do you expect you'll be finished? Uh, So the price tag is about a billion that uh, Scott Malkin and the Islanders are spending half and then my company OVG is spending the other half. So we put it up privately. Uh, We will be ready somewhere around Thanksgiving and we'll open it up with Islander games and we'll open it up uh, with some pretty good concerts. And then right now we think 22 might be the best concert year ever. How does this building fit into the redevelopment of this area? Well, it's just the start. And so Scott Malkin is one of the greatest developers of retail complexes in the world. He has some of the highest per capita square footage retail um, developments anywhere. And now he's going to build one here. So he's going to build roughly 325,000 square feet of high-end retail as part of this campus. We obviously have the Belmont Racetrack, which is 
you know, they're our neighbor and they were here first and we pay them great tribute. So when you have the racetrack, you build a new Long Island Railroad Station, we build out the new retail, and then I think more will come. And so New York needs a great point of destination for live entertainment, indoors and outdoors. And I think with 440 acres and a new Long Island Railroad Station, we have the capacity to do that here. What do you think this complex will do for this area? Well, economically, we're putting a lot of people to work and a lot of jobs in the middle of uh, the coronavirus to have a project that's going to be roughly $2 billion when it's all said and done, privatized, and it didn't blink. We never questioned it. We didn't put it on the back burner. We plowed straight ahead. There's a lot of people working in this building that have jobs and kept jobs during the virus. We're proud of that. And there's going to be almost 1,000 people to work in this building each and every night once we open. How did COVID impact the design here? Kicked our ass. <laughs> so like everybody else, you know, you're, you're building this. And then went one, we had a shutdown for two months. And that's, that means we're paying everybody to wait for two months. That's expensive. So that costs us more money. But, you know, that's part of what you got to deal with here. Um, it, it, it Banks question whether or not we'd be able to open. Banks question whether or not we're going to put people in the building. Thank God we have really, really good partners on the banking side, and so um, they believed in us. But I had to tell you, um, convincing people that we were going to get through this and not stopping, that most people would have stopped. We didn't, and now, you know, now everyone's like, oh, you guys are so smart. I'm like, well, that's not what you were all saying six months ago. You thought we were the dumbest guys in the room. I will say we were probably the bravest guys in the room because we decided never to blink. When people come to an event here, they leave this building. What do you hope they say? So I'm going to know. So here's the big difference. Um, Scott Malkin and his partners in the Islanders, John Ledecky and Dewey Shays, they're like me. We will be out walking the parking lot. We will be out talking to the people. I, I, have a, I think it's a good habit. Some people think it's a terrible habit. I pick up trash because I like my arena to be clean. I want people to come in here and say this is the best experience I've ever had. I'd like people to come in here and say it's the cleanest arena I've ever seen. I'd like people to come in here and say it's the nicest staff I've ever seen. So I'm going to meet with all of the staff every time I'm here because I want them to know I care about them and they're my moment of truth. They're the ones doing the customer service. I'm going to meet with the customers because I want to hear what they have to say and I hope they're happy. We're going to be hands-on and involved. We're very passionate. This is what I do for a living. I created this company five years ago, and now I'm betting the house. I'm betting everything on whether or not we're right about New York and whether or not about UBS Arena. I think we are, but I know that the way we could ultimately cover that bet, work it, work hard, be here every night, be passionate about it, take care of people, listen to what they say, be open to comments and criticism, get better. And the only way you could do that is you got to go talk to people, and that's what we're going to do. So we're going to service them. We're going to be here every night, and we're going to be passionate about the level and the experience that we create here for that customer. Not lost on anyone who roots for the team or even covers the team, like NBC this week, this project is top of mind. Final season of NHL hockey, the Islanders in a new building next year out in front. They score! While it will be hard to match the noise level or even the charm of the old barn, Tim Lywicki says they sure have so, tried here with this project. Here's some of the amazing facts about the building. So this roof is only roughly three or four feet higher than the roof at Nassau Coliseum. So from a 
hockey standpoint and the Islander fans, the actual noise and the culture that we have at those wonderful games at the barn will be recreated here because we dropped the roof down to make it as intimate as possible. This is the largest lower level of any arena in the metro area. So it means that our upper bowl is actually very small. And yet, the roof comes down. We're only three or four feet higher than the Nassau Coliseum. We have 17,500 seats in here for hockey compared to 13,400 at the Coliseum. And yet the bowl is as intimate as the experience at the Coliseum. So for sporting events and Islanders, it'll be loud. It'll be the same kind of noise that you hear at Nassau Coliseum. But for concerts, you'll see that all of the walls and all of the exposed areas will eventually be treated so that we can acoustically make sure no bounce back, no bad sound. So acoustically, we want this experience to be as close to the garden for a concert experience as we could get. Again, lower roof, acoustical tiles, and the largest lower bowl in the marketplace. As you can see, making progress. Our seats are in on the upper level. We're beginning to put all the stanchions in on the middle levels. And then eventually, within a month, we'll have all of the seats filled in down below. And tomorrow, Michael and his team on the outside will start building out the frame of the scoreboard and we'll lift the scoreboard to the middle of the ceiling. Let the crowd take it from here. Up until then, it will be up to the Islander fans to raise the roof in the old barn. In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Scheld, are the executive producers. Download 880 In-Depth every week to hear it as audio on demand. Just look for 880 In-Depth wherever you get your audio. Thanks for listening. Be safe. And of course, let's go Islanders. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.